Is there a desire in you to not just attend revival, but live in revival? Welcome to the Revival Lifestyle Podcast. I'm your host, Isaiah Saldivar. I've been in revival for the last 10 years, as well as traveling and being a part of many revivals throughout the United States. I'm going to be sharing with you how to live a radical lifestyle of revival on a daily basis. Believe you know one of the major reasons right now that the church is not casting out demons is because when we preach on casting out demons, when we talk about casting out demons, casting out demons is a messy topic. It's a messy thing. It takes energy. It takes time. It's inconvenient. But this is our calling. We have a church in America right now that is more concerned with making. I'm coming hot out the gate tonight. That is more concerned with making the gospel as easy as convenient and as quick as possible. We have made an easy a drive-through gospel in America that everything is now everything is instant in Instagram gospel and it's so easier as pastors as leaders as churches come on Facebook share this stream go on don't let YouTube pass you up on viewers but it's so easy as pastors and preachers to just say oh Christians can't have demons deliverance is not for today or they make something up I have people write me that say well my pastor says deliverance isn't for today my pastor says Christians can't have demons my pastor says deliverance is isn't for the church and in my mind I'm thinking that's the easy way out is to just say deliverance isn't for today the easy way out is just to say deliverance isn't any happening anymore but I'm telling you deliverance is for today deliverance is for now God wants to right now deliver his people he wants to raise you up he wants to train you up this is for the body of Christ and as leaders and pastors we need to stop excusing ourselves from doing deliverance I've been traveling for 10 years I've been pastoring for 10 years I've been in almost about 35 states preaching the gospel given 10 years of my life to traveling full-time and preaching the gospel and I'm telling you how few churches are actually doing deliverance but we have to understand understand that the pattern of Jesus's ministry and the disciples was driving out demons this was not a side thing this was a main thing and this is the thing you need to know is that we can't as believers improve on the pattern of Jesus Jesus has given us come on somebody help me preach a pattern of scripture and that's to preach the gospel that's to drive out demons that's to raise the dead that's to cleanse the lepers that's to make disciples that's and that's to preach to all creatures and so if we try to talk ourselves out or don't do these things we're trying to improve on the pattern of Jesus and Jesus has already given us the model he's already told us how to do it and what to do and so there's no improving on what Jesus did in Acts 8 shows us that biblical evangelism is preaching driving out demons and healing the sick that is biblical evangelism. If you're not preaching, driving out demons and healing the sick, biblically, okay, not Isaiah, not what I believe. According to Acts 8, you are not a biblical evangelist. I know we have all these evangelists, they come into town and they say, who wants to pray the sinner's prayer? And they get everyone to fill out a card and pray a prayer. That's not biblical evangelism. That's not in the Bible. Biblical evangelism is preaching. And then after the preaching, you drive out demons and you heal the sick. That's biblical evangelism. And so we don't need to try to do extra stuff or special stuff to try to you know puff this up or make evangelism more popular this is the model of evangelism if Jesus told us the way that you establish the kingdom of God on earth is driving out demons then that is how you establish the kingdom of God on earth you can't make up something to establish God's kingdom if Paul said that we wrestle against persons without bodies not flesh and blood we wrestle against principalities and powers then this is what we are wrestling us if Jesus wrestling with if Jesus said I'm going to build a church and the gate 
gates of hell will not prevail against my church. Jesus, listen, I know this is new for some of you, has not changed his mind. He's not decided now that coffee shops and programs are more important than warfare. These are the words of Jesus, and we're not trying to improve upon what Jesus has already said. We have to stop trying. I feel the Holy Ghost fire. Come on, give me a fire emoji if you feel the fire tonight share this on Facebook. We have to stop fighting what Jesus said. We have to stop trying to add to scripture. We have to stop trying to improve on scripture. We have to stop trying to edit scripture and pick what we like. Listen, friend, I want you to write this down and tweet this. The Bible is not your Instagram picture where you can edit it, put filters on it and make it look the way that you want. The Bible is the inspired word of God and it is sharper than any two-edged sword. And the Bible says that the Bible is there to show us what is wrong in our lives and one major thing that is wrong is that we have made a Jesus and this is all tied into deliverance all tied into being a deliverer all if you're on YouTube all tied on to being an exorcist one that casts out demons is that this is the ministry of Jesus but we need to understand that we've made a Jesus in our image we've made a Jesus that is like us we've made a personalized Jesus that looks like us that acts like us that talks like us that walks like us and is okay with our compromised lifestyle. Friend, I'm telling you, I know many people won't say this, but Jesus is not okay with our compromised lifestyles. Jesus is jealous. He is holy. I believe our God is still a jealous God. Our God is still an all-consuming fire. Our God still says, be holy as I am holy. Our God still pursues his church. Our God still pursues his body. Our God is looking for people that would be hungry and that would be desperate. Our God is a miracle-working God there's still fire in his eyes he has not changed I don't care how much false preaching I don't care how much false teaching I'm reading both chats guys I don't care how much false gospel we preach we will never change the word of God the word of God remains and it's time that our generation stops editing it I don't care what celebrity pastor lied to you Jesus is the same yesterday today and forever and it's time to stop editing the Bible and start editing your life write that down it's time to edit your life it's time to adjust your life stop trying to bend the bible to fit your life and start bending your life to fit the bible when you read scriptures instead of trying to explain them away just believe i was listening to a very well-known pastor this last week I was literally blown away by this. He was talking about Mark 16 and people were asking him and he was doing a Q&A and they said, well, what do you think about driving out demons? What do you think about healing the sick? Mind you, he's probably never seen either of them. And they said, in Mark 16, these signs shall follow all those that believe. And so it's not hard to understand. You don't need to have, you know, a deep theology. You don't need to go to Bible college. If you believe, you'll cast out demons, you'll heal the sick, you'll raise, and you'll speak in other tongues. So it tells us in Mark 16, 17. And so they asked him, I said, where is he going to go with this? And he said, well, I don't really know. He said, I, I you know, a lot of the old scholars, they believe that Mark 16, 17 was never even supposed to be in scripture. It was added later. And, you know, Jesus wasn't being literal and he's just making up all this stuff to thousands of people. He goes, I mean, miracles happen, but they're rare. Demons get cast out, but they're rare. He said, they're, it's definitely not for all those that believe. It's definitely not for everybody. And then I'm, I'm literally listening to him, guys. I want to fall out of my chair. I want to just pass out. I want to just vomit because he's literally saying, and we just broke, we're at 1,100 viewers of both platforms. 
praise the Lord. But he's literally saying that he doesn't believe Mark 16 is for every believer. And so I was thinking in my head, I, I said, so you're saying your word has more weight than God's word. You're telling me that you're right and that Jesus is wrong. And you're literally preaching that this isn't scriptural to say that deliverance is for every believer to do. Miracles are for every believer to do. Jesus said it, but now we have pastors. Now here's the mind blowing thing. It's not just that pastors are now preaching against the Bible. They're preaching another gospel. They're preaching a Jesus that doesn't exist in scripture. It's that people are actually believing them. These people were saying, that's always what I've thought. I've always wondered why I haven't seen miracles. Listen, guys, this is scary stuff here. I won't, obviously I'm not going to mention his name. I've always wondered why I haven't cast out demons. I've always wondered why. And so here's what we do. We build theologies based on not our positive experiences, but our lack of experiences. And because we've never experienced deliverance we preach against deliverance because we never experienced miracles we preach against miracles because we've never uh, experienced speaking in tongues we preach against speaking in tongues and the bible is the bible whether you've experienced it or not and you're not god's guinea pig some of you think that if it hasn't happened to me it must not be real if i've never seen deliverance it must not be real you are not god's guinea pig god is doing something right now and i'm just gonna say this he doesn't need your permission to do it god is not looking up there saying i really want to move in this generation but you know i need some someone's permission and I need them to do this and I need them to do that. God is not looking for your permission. God is not looking for your approval. God is looking for somebody that would be willing, somebody that would be desperate and somebody that would be hungry. There is delusion in the church where people are preaching against the word of God right now. Guys, I'm telling you, this is crazy. When I read scripture, I see the supernatural everywhere. I see miracles everywhere. Come on, guys. We, we're The chat's going crazy here. I see deliverances all throughout Jesus' ministry. I'm looking to God's word. I'm not looking to westernized, commercialized, fabricated, fake Christianity. It's time tonight to break out of superficial and break into the supernatural. You cannot have the superficial and have the supernatural at the same time. God wants to fill you with his power. He wants to fill you with his spirit. He wants to fill you with his anointing and he wants to do something supernatural in your life. But you have to break out of this superficial westernized American Christianity that says you can live however you want. You can do however you want. Come on. We just broke 400 viewers on YouTube. Praise the Lord. Everyone give, give the Lord a, a round of applause there, wherever you're at, type it out in the chat. We just broke 400 our first night on YouTube. We have over 600 right now on Facebook. Praise the Lord. I'm telling you guys, God is one to reach the world. I believe this is why one of the reasons why God is promoting our ministry and our stream, not because of me. People say, oh, it's your personality. It has nothing to do with me. God is not moving because of me. He's moving in spite of me. God is moving and God is promoting and God is lifting up because he's being lifted up. And the Bible says, if I be lifted up, I will draw all men unto me. And so when we lift up God's word, when we lift up the power of God, when we lift up God's ministry, God will begin to promote. When you stop preaching self, God could begin to use you. God could begin to promote you and God could begin to do a new thing. Jesus did not call us to an easy, and some of you, I'm not even in my message yet, and that's why I told you to just order, go order your DoorDash, because I'm telling you guys, we're going for it tonight. But Jesus did not call us or anoint you to live an easy coast along life. Isaiah, it just feels like this Christian life is difficult. 
It just feels so time consuming. It just feels so lonely at times. It just feels so difficult. It feels like such a battle to be a Christian. Come on, am I the only one? Type one. It just feels hard, Isaiah, to be a believer. And I want to tell you, welcome to the narrow road. You are in good company. Jesus said that the narrow road is the difficult road and the easy road is the road that leads to death, is the broad road. So you need to understand that we are living on the narrow road. This is why it's difficult. This is why it's not easy. It's because we're living on the narrow road. And I came to tell somebody, you're not crazy. Many of you right now, this is a word from God tonight. You feel crazy. You say, I feel crazy believing God for miracles. I feel crazy believing God for deliverances. I feel crazy believing God to move in my marriage and to move in my family. And I came to tell you that you are not crazy. Many of you think you're crazy because there's so many fake Christians in America that you try to compare yourself to what God's doing in your life and what God is doing in their life. And you think that you're crazy. Biblical Christianity is so abnormal in America. When you actually walk out biblical Christianity, here's what they're going to say. Oh, you're just too radical. You're just too fanatical. You're just too passionate. Friend, this is normal Christianity. People say, Isaiah, why are you so crazy? Why are you so wild? Why are you so loud? Why do you talk so fast? Why do you shout? I'm going to tell you why people say this because passionate preaching is rare in the in the body of Christ passionate preaching is rare in our generation and God is looking for some passionate sold out creature on the people that are going to preach to all creation and preach to every creature imagine being excited about God for once I want you just to imagine what would it be like if you were more excited about the presence of God than anything else in your life imagine the church having passion once again having excitement once again don't tell me to calm down when you're willing to shout at the bar shout at the club shout at the football game I was an atheist when God came to me I am not going to calm down God has done too much in my life for me to calm down for me to relax and for me to chill God is looking for some people that would be sold out some people that would be hungry some people that would be desperate God is looking for sold out believers that would be radical for his kingdom and for his glory this is the average calling of the believer. You've been called to the front lines. And so I want you to ignore those that are sitting idle on the sidelines. It's amazing how sideline believers always have so much to say about the move of God. They always have so much to say about deliverance, so much to say about miracles. Get off of the sidelines and get on the front lines. God did not call you to rot away week after week in a dead church. He didn't call you to live a life of compromise and complacency. He didn't call you to live average or normal. He called you to a supernatural lifestyle because the kingdom of God is in you, the world around you can't stay the same. Friend, things around you that you're involved with can't stay the same. Family members can't stay the same around you. Your job shouldn't be the same after you got the job. Your school can't remain the same if you are there. I'm telling you guys, it's time to break out of this average normal Christianity. I don't care if I'm the only one that has to yell this and shout this and get persecuted for this. I believe now is the time to raise up in the power and in the anointing of the Holy Spirit. If you didn't know, you have the same spirit that raised Christ living on the inside of you, friend. The Holy Spirit is living on the inside of you. The power of God is living on the inside of you. You've been called, you've been anointed, you've been appointed to preach the gospel. And so I want to go over, there's some attributes, there's some personality, there's some things that you need to do if you're going to be an effective deliverer. If you're going to be effective in deliverance ministry, there are things you need to do. People say, well, how Isaiah, can I go to the next level? Some of you listen, 
It's time for you to level up tonight. It's time for you to get a software update. I don't understand how you get a new iPhone every year, yet you've had that same fire for the last 10 years and you've never upgraded. You've never gone to the next level. God is saying tonight, it's time to go to the next level. Some of you, your your uh, upgrade is, is, is ready. It's available. You've had your phone for the same seven, eight years, the same prayer life for the last eight years, the same ministry life for the last eight years, the same deliverance lifestyle for the last eight years. And God is saying, it's time to update. It's time to level up. It's time to go to the next level. You can't stay where you're at. I can't afford. Listen, Isaiah Saldivar. Yes, I believe I'm on fire. I believe God is using me. Thank you for all that. Okay. I'm not okay with where I'm at. I want to go to the next level. I'm not in my office studying, reading, praying just so I could have a word to give you guys. I'm studying, reading, and praying because I'm wanting to level up. I'm wanting to go to the next level and it's going to take time. It's going to take energy. It's going to take a new level of commitment. It's going to take necessary attributes to be able to be effective in this. People are always asking this. And so last week we started talking about this. And this week we're going to talk about this again. And next Friday, God has been giving me some download. We're going to be talking about demon portals, demon gates, demon doors. People say, well, I don't understand how a demon even got in. And so next week I'm going to be sharing a bunch of things. And by the way, next week is going to be Thursday night. I forgot to announce that. So next week will not be on Friday night. It'll be on Thursday night because I'm going to be traveling to Arizona Friday morning. So next Thursday night, I'm going to be talking about how do demons get into our life? What are the access points and how do we prevent them from coming in? But I went over last week, some attributes. I'm going to go over some more. So I want you to get your pen, get your, whatever your iPad, whatever notepad you're using out to begin to write these down. I'm going to go over a couple things we went over last week, just to fill you in. Cause there's about 500 people right now watching on YouTube that are, a lot of them are new, but a couple things we went over was last week was that deliverance is scriptural. So you need to know this. This is crucial because people are going to rise up against you and try to say that deliverance and casting out demons is not for today. You shouldn't be doing it, but you need to realize you're backed up by the word of God. They are not backed up by the word of God. Deliverance is a provision of the cross. It's the call of every believer and every church without exception. So you need to understand that deliverance is scriptural. This is all what we went over. I'm going to give you one minute of what we talked about last week, and then I'm going for all the new stuff and what I want to share with you this week. But the next thing we went over is there's no substitute for deliverance. Counseling is not a substitute for deliverance. Teaching is is not a substitute for deliverance. Therapy is not a substitute for deliverance. Medication is not a substitute for deliverance. Many people are trying to get free through many different methods, but the only way to get free, according to Jesus, is deliverance ministry. And so stop trying to substitute it. I talked about last week how when you go to a restaurant, and they say, well, we're all out of what you asked for. Do you want to substitute it? And you go, I don't want to substitute. I came for this. A lot of people are coming to church for healing, deliverance, and breakthrough. And the church is offering them a substitute. But we don't want substitutes. We want deliverance. Okay. The last thing that we went over last week, come on, I'm preaching to somebody tonight, is that you need to be able to endure long hours of intense warfare. You need to be able to endure. You have to have this ability of endurance. Endurance is a characteristic of the spirit. Endurance is something that God wants to release on you because deliverance is not a common ministry. Deliverance is not a laid back ministry. We are calling you to the front lines of warfare. We are calling you not to let sit back on the sidelines, but to engage in supernatural warfare. Come on. We just hit 1200 viewers combined right now. We've been called to engage in supernatural warfare. So there's no room for lazy people in deliverance ministry. If you're lazy, 
This is not going to be good for you. You're not going to like deliverance. You're going to make excuses. You're going to live your life excusing yourself. Deliverance takes time. I talked about last week. If you didn't watch, you can go watch it. It's on the YouTube and it's on the Facebook. It takes energy. It takes persistence. It takes patience. Oftentimes in deliverance, we're dealing with people that are not easy to deal with. And so it takes an extreme amount of patience to deal with some of these people. It takes dedication. You can't be lackluster. You can't be back and forth to be able to be a deliverance minister. You have to be fully dedicated to the mission of the gospel. You have to be fully dedicated to the mission of the cross. Okay, and this week, I want you to start fresh, writing some stuff down. I'm gonna give you five, maybe six, we'll see, characteristics or attributes that you need to have to be effective in casting out demons. If you wanna do deliverance and be effective, come on Facebook, share this, YouTube's about to pass you up. If you wanna be effective in deliverance ministry, there are certain attributes that you need to have. Okay, the first one is you need to be able, write this down, to meet the spiritual requirements of praying, fasting, and staying free. So number one is you need to be able to meet the spiritual requirements of praying, fasting, and staying free. Those are the three components you need to meet. If you're going to be effective, you need to have a prayer life. You need to have a fasting routine and you need to live a clean life. Jesus said this when the disciples had a failed deliverance. Now listen, I know a lot of you preach, well, I, you know, Jesus, every demon left when he said to go and deliverances should only be five minutes and I, all the stuff you say because you don't read the Bible. The disciples, listen to this, the followers of Jesus, these were the ones that were walking with Jesus, that were talking with Jesus, that woke up in the morning, ate breakfast with Jesus, they failed in deliverance. There was a deliverance with a young boy that they could not do. And so don't get all haughty thinking you're all that in a bag of chips with some Chick-fil-A sauce on the side, thinking that because, you know, everyone I do deliverance on, they just demon leaves them. And pastors say deliverance shouldn't take long. And pastors say deliverance should be quick. Yet the very disciples failed in deliverance. So is it possible to have failed deliverances? Yes. I have a whole video called Casting Out Stubborn Demons. The video is literally about failed deliverances. It's possible to have failed deliverances, but understand that when they asked Jesus, why did they fail? Jesus said, this type of spirit only comes out by prayer and fasting. So we are responsible for the freedom of the people we're praying for. Do write this down. Do not let your undisciplined life be the reason someone does not get free. Oh, somebody needs to shout that for the people in the back tonight. Do not let the fact that your life is undisciplined prevent you from doing deliverance on people because there's many people that are not getting delivered and are not getting freed because we live in undisciplined life. Yes, we just about to hit 500 viewers on YouTube and we're almost at 700 on Facebook. Praise the Lord. But we're living undisciplined lives and people are not getting delivered. And so this is about discipline, guys. Don't get into this whole like, oh, Jesus, if you want to do it through me, you'll do it. And I don't have to be disciplined. And I can kind of just live how I want. This is about being disciplined. There are many moments where you're not going to feel like praying, where you're not going to feel like doing deliverance. I'm going to do deliverance on Sunday from 9 a.m. to probably 9 p.m. And I probably won't take a lunch break. I'll probably have a bottle of water. And that's about it. Does, it, does my body want to do that? Am I in deliverance going, oh man, I love doing this. I love having no voice. I love dealing with it. I love, no, absolutely not. But understand it's part of being disciplined. Being disciplined says, I don't do what my flesh wants me to do. I do what my spirit wants me to do. And so I tell my flesh to shut up. I tell my flesh to 
get in the back seat. You need to make sure your flesh is crucified because your flesh does not want you to drive out demons. You need to live disciplined. Stop being undisciplined. Listen, you need to create habits in your life. And actually, some of you, you need to actually schedule prayer. You need to actually schedule reading your Bible. If you're not reading your Bible and fasting and praying, I'm telling you, God's not just going to knock you on the head one day and put feathers on you and gold dust. God is looking for believers that would be disciplined. So maybe you need to start waking up early in the morning. Come on, somebody. Maybe you need to start writing on your calendar. I'm going to pray this day. You schedule on your calendar days out with people. On Wednesday, I'm going to the park with so-and-so. On Thursday, I'm going to dinner with so-and-so. So go ahead and schedule your time with God if that's what it takes. Because here's the thing. Some of you look back two weeks on your life and you're going, for two weeks, I haven't prayed. For two weeks, I haven't fasted. For two weeks, I haven't read the word of God. So what are you waiting for? At what point are you going to begin to do these things? You're going to have to step up and you're going to have to begin to do these things and to begin to get disciplined. There is no room. I could give you proverb after proverb. For the sake of time, I won't. I have a lot of stuff still to cover where the Bible talks about being a disciplined person. You will not survive in deliverance ministry not being disciplined. If you're flaky, if you're a frosted flakes and you never show up on time, you're not going to survive in a deliverance ministry. When I schedule deliverance, I'm there 30 minutes early. I'm there 40 minutes early. You're not going to get there before me because I'm disciplined. I'm a soldier. Try to go sign up for the army and then show up late to your shift and show up late to your, no, it's not going to work. God is looking for discipline. If the U.S. Army wants you to be on time, what makes you think God doesn't want you to be on time? And God is saying, when are you going to be on time to pray? When are you going to be on time to fast? Guys, this whole getting into church, lounging in with our latte and no Bible, coming in 20 minutes late, coming in after the worship is over. God is looking for disciplined people. Okay, so we need to be disciplined in praying. It is essential, write this down, if you're going to be an effective deliverance minister, minister, that you have a prayer life. Circle that, highlight that, underline that, mark that, bookmark it, post it, do what you have to do. It's essential that you have a prayer life. If you are prayerless, you are powerless. If prayer was important for Jesus, it's important for you. Prayer is so vital, and I'm going to tell you why, because you need that open line of communication between you and God when you begin in deliverance ministry you need to have an open line you can't begin to cast demons out of people and not have an open line with god and prayer unclogs your spiritual pipes prayer gives you that open access point prayer is that antenna that you have whenever you're praying you have that antenna before god and you're creating an open door and an open portal between you and god and you need that in deliverance you can't just come to god when you need something you need to have constant relationship and we just hit 1300 viewers combined praise the lord thank you jesus we need to have constant relationship prayer has to be listen to me closely if you're going to be a deliverance minister it has to be oxygen if you can't be you live without it because here's the thing if you can live without it if you can live without prayer you will live without prayer i made up my mind 10 years ago the moment i got saved that i cannot live without praying i'm telling you guys i can't be a father without prayer i can't be a husband without prayer i can't be a preacher without prayer nothing i can do can happen without prayer i need need prayer every single day 
Prayer has to be daily. I'm not saying that you have to go in your closet for an hour. I'm not saying you have to go in your closet for 45 minutes. I'm saying you need, and I'm reading both comments on YouTube and Facebook right now. I'm saying that you need to develop a prayer life and it has to be serious. You can't be casual about prayer. You can't be casual about the things of God. I'm like a fish out of water if I don't pray every day. That's how you need to be. I'm telling you, God is calling you and God has anointed you to be a prayer warrior, not a prayer warrior. And if you want to go to the next level and to grow spiritually, you have to pray. This is workout for your spirit, man. If you don't pray in the spirit, guess what? Tonight you can pray in the spirit. Tonight you can be full of the Holy Ghost and the power of God. Listen, we just broke 1,300 viewers. Thank the Lord. People are hungry. People are excited. Okay, so you need to have a prayer life. Second thing is you need to, and we're still on point number one. I'll tell you when we go to point number two, is you need to have a fasting life. In deliverance ministry, according to Jesus, fasting is also crucial. Fasting the days you do deliverance is a very good idea. The days I do deliverance, most of the times, unless there's special circumstances, I'm traveling or something's going on, I fast the day that I'm doing deliverance because fasting will also unclog your spiritual pipes. Fasting will also get you reconnected to God like you've never been connected to God. Fasting also brings the prince of God closer. This is why the Pharisees came to Jesus. They said, Jesus, why don't your disciples fast? And Jesus said, why would they fast when they're with me? When I leave, then they'll fast. Why? Because fasting brings the presence of God closer in our lives. So when you fast, I always teach this. I believe this be intentional on your fast don't just fast and say oh whatever happens whatever happens happens but when you fast be intentional say lord i'm fasting for this i'm praying for this i'm intentional about my fast i'm fasting for the deliverances i'm doing sunday or i'm fasting for the deliverances i'm doing tomorrow so go ahead and do a day a two day i wouldn't start getting crazy and being all weak you know i don't want you to limp into the deliverance not having inner energy but go ahead and do a one or two day fast before deliverance and you're going to find it's much easier to hear God. The demons listen to you much better and there's more power. What do you mean more power? Power can be increased. I've already done a video on this. Authority is constant, but power can be increased. And one of the ways, me and TJ did a video on unlocking God's power. One of the ways you can increase the power of God in your life is by fasting and is by praying. And so fasting is crucial. So you need to make sure that you are doing this. Okay, the last thing in this category, and this is just being a deliverance minister, is you need to stay free. You need to live a lifestyle of holiness and stay free from the bondages that you're trying to deliver other people on. Now, listen, I'm not saying that you have to be perfect to do deliverance ministry. Absolutely not. Nobody's perfect. I'm not saying that you have to be without sin to do deliverance ministry. Every one of us have some type of sin in our life and we're all every day repenting, getting, getting healed, getting delivered, getting the blood of Jesus on our lives. This is a daily sanctification. What I am saying is you need to live a life out of intentional sin. So if you're addicted to pornography, you should not be trying to do deliverance on people. If you're sitting there constantly angry, constantly cursing, you shouldn't be trying to do deliverance. You need to live a lifestyle where you're staying free. If you want to live on the front lines, you can't give any place for the enemy to come into your life. The devil, write this down, will work extra hard to bring down those in deliverance ministry. I've watched this happen a thousand times. If you don't get anything tonight, get this. When you begin to do deliverance ministry, the devil is going to work overtime to try to bring you down because there's nothing that the devil hates more than deliverance ministry. So you need to make sure that if you're doing deliverance ministry, if you're driving out demons, there has to be a freedom. Thank you, Edwin. I'm reading the comments. I told you guys, there has to be a freedom lifestyle. You need to have a lifestyle of freedom. This is something that's very essential. You cannot give no place to the enemy because the enemy is going to work to try to infiltrate the life of those that are tearing down his kingdom. 
Let me just say this. If you're just going to church once a week, you're not praying for the sick, you're not preaching, you're not discipling, you're not doing anything for God, and you're kind of just existing. Now, I get it. There's COVID and things are different now, but I'm not talking about the, what things are now. I'm just saying in your average, the last five years of your Christian life, you're not doing anything. You know, you go to youth conferences and throw around a beach ball. The devil's not concerned with you. The devil's not going to attack you. The devil's not, has no, 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 not going to waste any of his energy. Remember, the devil has a limited amount of demons, okay? The devil cannot create more demons. He has a limited amount. Out. So if the devil's sending demons to attack you, it's because you're threatening him. The devil doesn't attack those that date him. He doesn't attack those that sleep with him. He doesn't attack those that work for him. Come on, somebody. I'm preaching good tonight. He doesn't attack someone that's in relationship with him. And so the devil's not going to waste his time. When you begin to do deliverance, I'm telling you, the devil is going to come and try to bring you down. He's going to try to come and attack you. So you need to be ready. What is James 4, 7? It says, submit to God and resist the devil so first he says the way to stay free is through submission to god this is how you stay free and this is how you walk blameless as you submit yourself to god first and then you resist the devil which is an active word it's a fighting verb and it's not just oh i'm just going to ignore him resisting the devil does not mean ignoring the devil trust me if you ignore the devil the devil is not going to ignore you a lot of churches ignore the devil thinking they're doing someone a favor and the only one they're doing a favor is the enemy because the enemy when we ignore him wreaks all out havoc in our churches and no one's challenging him the devil is not being confronted one of the things the lord has been telling me to do is to confront darkness to confront demons we need to confront the enemy for too long he's gone unconfronted we're going to talk about that later but it says first we need to submit then we need to resist so once you've submitted to god then you're able to resist the enemy so we're always resisting this is not this is not like oh just ignore it. this is active we're always resisting to keep him off of you this word resisting let me just give you the best way to say it it means to keep the devil off of you by not giving in to temptation and falling victim to his traps so the devil brings temptation and snares snares are traps think of them as animal traps and the way that we resist him is by not giving into temptation and not falling into the traps of the enemy and there's many traps of the enemy you know i won't go into that i don't have time i have a video on that but there's many traps and schemes of the enemy maybe next week i'll do touch on some of the main traps and the main strategies and the main schemes he uses come on share this on facebook we just broke seven 700 on Facebook and we are at 550 on YouTube. Praise the Lord. We're almost at 1300 viewers here. So we need to submit. Now there's a couple things, other places in, Bi in the Bible you should submit to. And I'm going to give you these very quick. I'm going to give you verses. So get ready. If you want to write these down to speed, write them, or you can go watch them later. But these are the six different things the Bible says to submit to. So it doesn't just say submit to God. The Bible says in other places to submit to. So number one, we submit to God. That's James 4, 7. Number two, we submit to each other, your fellow believer. That's in, um, that's, uh, I believe, I'll, I'll get you the verse later. I'll have the verse on hand. That's submitting to your husband. That's Ephesians 5, 22. That's submitting to rulers or governing authorities. That's 1 Peter 2, 13 through 14. Come on, somebody. Number five, that's submitting to the elders of the church. That's 1 Peter Peter 5 5 and then number six is submitting to Christian to godly Christian leaders that's Hebrews 13 17 so those are the six things that the Bible says so God each other your husband rulers elders and godly Christian leaders those are the things the Bible says if you want to stay protected these are the things that you need to do now these are different people different positions so, but you need to understand that when you submit yourself to people when you submit yourself to God it will help you to resist the devil's attacks and the devil's schemes if you're not submitted to anything or submitted to anybody 
The devil will have open reign in your life. And we've seen this happen over and over. People end up leaving the ministry, or they leave the church, or they leave the fellowship, or they leave the, even if it's an online community, they stop watching the streams, they stop being in the chat. They kind of just drift away. And then the devil comes and wreaks all out havoc on them. And so we have to submit ourselves to people. We have to be around people. We have to be people that are, you know, people that are, that are in fellowship. You can't just go wander off and think that God's going to do whatever he wants to do in your life. You're going to walk out of the protection if you do that. So make sure that you're submitting to people and that you're undercovering. Okay. That's number one. Number two is to love people unconditionally. Write that down. If you want to be effective in deliverance ministry, this might be the most important thing. Of the eight or nine I'm giving you last week and this week, probably one of the most important is in deliverance ministry, you have to love people unconditionally. You have to truly do this out of your love for people. There is no room for selfish ambition or personal gain in deliverance ministry. Listen, if you're trying to get into deliverance ministry and cast out demons for an income or for finances, you're in it for the wrong reasons. Now, do I believe it's okay if you go get deliverance to bless the person doing deliverance? Like Don Dickerman on his website, he says, we recommend giving $300, but you don't have to. I believe, listen, if you're going to do deliverance on Isaiah Saldivar, let me just tell you what I believe. Now, I don't charge at all for deliverance. In fact, if you come to me to get deliverance, I won't take your money because God has blessed me. I have other sources of income, so I will not take your money in deliverance. If you came to me tomorrow and I spent 10 hours doing deliverance on you, you said, Isaiah, I want to bless you with $200. I'm not going to take your $200. Now, if you want to go on the stream and give or whatever, that's on you, but I'm not taking your money for deliverance. With that being said, I don't think it's wrong to bless somebody when they do deliverance on you. So for instance, if Isaiah Saldivar went and got deliverance and I was there for three hours and someone was doing deliverance on me, I would bless the person. Isaiah Saldivar would. Not if they asked. Not I would personally bless them because I believe that a workman is worthy of his hire. That's me personally. Now, I don't believe it's good to charge for deliverance ministry because the Bible says freely you've been given, so you freely give. So if you're trying to get into deliverance ministry for an income, now the income might be there. I know people that do it full-time and there's a great income and they, this is what they do full-time. And I pray and I want to get to a day where I could hire somebody to do full deliverances full time. That will be their job and I will pay them to do that. And that's my, that's going to be a goal in the near future is to just hire somebody to do deliverances because I believe it's that important and I would do it every day. I just don't have time doing the streams, praying, preparing messages, doing all the videos I'm doing, having a family, having four toddlers, but I don't think it's wrong to pay someone for deliverance ministry, but I do think it's wrong to charge people because this is not about personal gain. This, this is not about you building up your ministry or building up your thing, but you need to understand that deliverance ministry is for those that are selfless for those that have no agenda you have to realize a lot of times in deliverance ministry you're going to be inviting people in that don't have any friends or family you might even have to have them live with you there might be some people that are broken that are hurting that have no place to go that are in an abusive relationship and it's not abnormal when you get into deliverance ministry to have to bring people into your home it's not abnormal to have to bring people into your family to have to pray with them to take them out to dinner a lot a lot of times these people that need deliverance and this is a lot of us need deliverance I'm just saying they don't have friends they don't have family they just got saved and they need you to bring them in so this is something that's very crucial you need to understand that a lot of times you have to be just so full of love because you're bringing in people that have no friends have no family um, you have to be willing for them to be able to call you at any time if you're doing deliverance on somebody 
You have to be willing to say, look, if you need help, you can call me because you're going to deal with difficult people, but you need to realize this. You have to understand that the love that God has is unconditional for these people. I'm not doing deliverance. Listen to this and write this down. I'm not doing, thank you all of you on YouTube that are saying you're subscribing and liking. I'm not doing deliverance because you can do something for me. That's not why I'm doing deliverance. I'm doing deliverance purely out of God's love for you. And this is all tied into what I talked about last week. This is what motivates us to have hours of deliverance and spend energy and be patient it's the love of god trust me i've dealt with some people that in my flesh i would have quit on them a long time ago but what compelled me to keep pushing was the love of god it wasn't finances it wasn't following it wasn't numbers most pastors don't do deliverance because there's nothing to gain in deliverance you don't gain followers in deliverance you don't gain reputation in deliverance it's just purely motivated by love so you need to have an unconditional love First Peter 4, 8 says above all, so above all, not above some, above all, love each other deeply. Okay, let me just go ahead and say that. Some of you in the chat are going to start manifesting because you can't stand anybody. But he says above all, love each other deeply because love covers over a multitude of sins. There is a breaking power in love. Love has the power to break bondages. Love has the power to break chains. Even in deliverance, hugging somebody. Demons don't know what to do when you hug somebody. I'm telling you there is power when you love there's power in love so we have to be all about love colossians 3 14 over all these virtues so he gives a bunch of virtues he says over all these virtues put on love which binds all these virtues together in perfect unity so we need to put love on love is something that we wear love is something that is powerful love is active and the bible makes it clear that we need to put it on we can't be messing around and doing this out of selfish ambition this is all about love thank you someone said keep going five hours okay i might who knows John 3, 16, for God so loved the world that he gave. So what compelled God to give his very best? The love he had for people. So love motivated him to give. Love is the driving force that motivates us to give our, I'm blessing myself tonight, y'all. Love is the motivating factor or the driving force that causes us to give ourselves in deliverance. The most valuable resource, you cannot argue with me on this, that in the world, more than gold, more than silver, more than oil, the most valuable resource is time. That is the most valuable resource. You can't buy more and you can't get it back. There's no resource more valuable than time. The reason why we give our time in deliverance and we give ourselves in deliverance is because of the love that we have. For God so loved, he gave. For we so love, we give. So we give time, we give energy, we give dedication, we give patience. All the sacrifices we talked about earlier are hard if you're not motivated by love of God. When I was talking last week, somebody said, Isaiah, that's way too hard to spend that energy and that time and have patience like that. That's because you're not motivated by love. If you're motivated by love, it's not hard to do. It's easy. It's easy for you because you're motivated by love. Also, because we love people, we're effective, but we need to know this. Listen, if we're going to be effective in deliverance ministry, this could be one of the most important things I'm going to tell you about being a deliverance minister is you need to know how to keep secrets. Can I say that louder? Let me get real close to the mic. You need to learn to keep secrets. Okay. If you're in deliverance ministry, you cannot be a sister talk a lot. You cannot be Mr. Blabber and you cannot have a big mouth. Some of you, I know if I want everyone to know, I don't have to send a group text. I just have to tell you and you'll go ahead and tell the whole family. That is not good for deliverance ministry. If you're in deliverance ministry, you need to learn how to keep secrets. Many times in deliverance ministry, people will say things like, or they'll confide in you and they'll often say, I've never told anybody this, but this happened to me or that happened to me. 
if they said, I've never told anyone this, it's probably safe to say they don't want you telling anybody. Come on, somebody shout. I'm going to let you guys catch up to that right there. If they said, I've never told anybody this, it's safe to say they don't want you telling anyone. So you need to know how to keep secrets. When we do deliverances going forward now, we say this, do you want to be filmed? Because we're using the videos as, you know, teaching material do you want to be filmed if they say yes most of them say yes do you want your face blurred out if you want your face blurred out we'll blur your face out and we'll edit out any confidential information so we're not going to put on there a bunch of secrets in our video we're not going to have a video of them saying i've never told anybody about this and then i post on my youtube channel you need to learn how to keep secrets so if you're doing deliverance ministry you don't you don't use the info that the demons give you or use the info the people are giving you to go try and tell everybody about them now because you know their deepest, darkest secrets. You might think, well, no one would ever do that. This is the most common thing in deliverance. Trust me, this happens all the time where people share information that they should not be sharing because they were in a deliverance ministry and somebody trusted them. So when people are confiding on you, it needs to be 100% confidential if this is what the person wants. If they don't want no one knowing, then you need to take it to the grave. I don't, I don't, I don't care if it's your husband, your wife. There are some things that you don't tell anybody. So you need to make sure that you're confidential. You need to make sure that your mouth is not blabbermouth. You're not talking to everybody. You cannot have a big mouth and be in deliverance ministry. Okay, so love needs to be the driving force in this. If you're not going to do that, you're not. You're going to struggle. If you're not going to be driven by love, you're going to struggle. Okay, number three, the number three attribute. Okay, we're trying to go fast. I know we've been streaming for over an hour. We're 42 minutes into the message. But number three is you need to be willing to confront demons fearlessly. Okay, write that down again. I see you, John. Love you, bro. You need to be willing to confront demons fearlessly. You cannot be timid in deliverance ministry. Demons, write this down, must be confronted. If you're not willing to do this, you will not be effective. If you're timid, if you're afraid to confront demons, if you're afraid to rebuke demons, deliverance ministry is just not for you. Demons must be confronted in order to be dealt with. You cannot deal with demons being calm, being peaceful, and whispering. God will give you supernatural boldness to deal with the devil and his demons. You need to make sure that you are confronting them. Satan will try to make you think that he's going to retaliate. This is a big thing when you get into deliverance ministry. Satan's going to make you think he's going to retaliate. He says, if you do deliverance, I'm going to kill your family. If you do deliverance, I'm going to make you sick. He's going to try to tell you he's going to put sickness on your kids. He's going to try to tell you if you do deliverance, he's going to come back and hurt you. Many people write me, they say, Isaiah, I don't want to do deliverance because I don't want to deal with the backlash. I don't want to deal with the retaliation, but understand that he's going to tell you that he'll attack your family with sickness, injury, or something else. These are all lies of the enemy. Do not be timid. God has not given you a spirit of fear. God has given you a spirit of power, love, and a sound mind. You need to be fearless and you need to be bold about it. We need to be bold when we're speaking to demons. Luke 10, 19, it talks about divine protection. It says, I've given you authority and the, uh, the authority to trample on snakes and scorpions and to overcome all the power of the enemy. Watch this. Nothing will harm you. Now he says, I've given you authority to trample on snakes and scorpions. Not natural snakes, not natural scorpions. These are demons. So Jesus says, I've given you authority to trample on demons and to overcome. This is how I know he's not talking about actual creatures. To overcome all the power of the enemy nothing will harm you. So what happens when a demon says, I'm going to kill your family. I'm going to go after you. I'm going to do this to you. I'm going to do that to you. We take Luke 10, 19, and we say the word of God says nothing is going to harm me. So don't be afraid when demons try to bully you and try to intimidate you. You need to be bold about this. You need to be fearless about this. You cannot let the enemy try to bully you and try to say he's going to harm you and try to say he's going to put this on you. 
Remember, Elijah ran from Jezebel, and ultimately this was Elijah's demise. After he was under the tree, scared for his life, asking God to kill him. Understand this. He's running from Jezebel. He's never met her. He's under a tree, asking God to kill him. After his greatest victory ever on Mount Carmel, on the showdown on Mount Carmel, he's now begging for God to take his life because Jezebel intimidated him, and he was afraid of backlash and didn't believe that God would divinely protect him. Don't run from Jezebel. Don't run from Jezebel. Jezebel must be confronted. Jezebel hates being confronted. You need to confront these demons fearlessly. Mount Carmel was the last time God ever used Elijah for the ministry. He allowed the enemy to come in and to bring discouragement and witchcraft. And God is saying, don't allow this. We need some Jehus to rise up in the chat that will do the opposite. How did Jehu defeat Jezebel. The exact way that Jezebel defeated Elijah, Jehu used to defeat Jezebel. What does the Bible say? It says, and Jehu rode up to Jezebel's palace and yelled, who is on the Lord's side? And the two eunuchs that were slaves to Jezebel picked up Jezebel while she's putting on her makeup and threw her off the balcony. Jehu directly confronted Jezebel. He looked right up at the balcony and rebuked her and called her out. And the Lord delivered, delivered and broke the power of Jezebel off of Israel. So how do we deal with these demons? We do what Jehu did. We confront them. We don't run from them. We don't say, oh, we'll deal with them later. We need to confront them because demons, write this down, hate to be confronted. Oftentimes when demons are working through people, they don't want you to confront them. People that backstab, people that backbite, people that are being demonized don't want to be confronted. Many people say, well, I don't have demons. There's no way I have demons. And even if they're clearly demonized and they've manifested before, it's because the demons don't want to be confronted. Once we confront them, then we can cast them out. Many of you say, I don't have demons. There's no way I've been prayed for a thousand times. No, no one confronted your demons. I had a lady I was praying for recently. She said, I got prayer for healing. I got prayer for deliverance countless times. And then I started praying for her after three times, nothing happened. I prayed a fourth time and I just got real bold. I said, I'm just going to get real loud. I mean, don't take it personally, but I'm just going to get real bold here. And I got, I started going off on the demon. I said, I bind you spirit of infirmity. She is not your home. Come out now. I really just started getting aggressive. Immediately she falls on the ground, starts slithering and manifesting. And we cast out the spirit of infirmity and she's not sick anymore because we were willing to confront them. We didn't want to pet them. We're not going to whisper to them. We're not afraid of them. You need to understand they have to be confronted. You can think of them as children. You tell them what to do. They don't tell you what to do. Learning, and you have to realize that all this learning, all this training, it'll help you to overcome your fears. The fear of a demon is from a demon. Let me say that again. The fear of a demon is from a demon. So if you're afraid of demons, if there's an unnatural fear of demons, that's a fear from a demon. When you're walking in boldness, when God delivers you, you will not be afraid of demons. I have zero fear. I had people write me on the last video we posted of some altar deliverance. They said, how are you not afraid? I said, because the spirit of God lives in me and demons are subject to me. I've given power. I've been given authority. So the more scripture you know, the more teaching you take, the more deliverance trainings we do, the more bold you'll get over these demons. Okay, we got to go fast because we're taking way too long here. Um, I was in a very crazy deliverance once. This is kind of one way this happened. And there was a very crazy deliverance going on. And I could tell in the deliverance that one of the people, one of the leaders was getting scared in the deliverance. And I could tell that fear was trying to be brought on us and come over us to get us to back down or cower down. See, when a demon brings fear by levitating, by contorting, by telling you things nobody knows about, by vomiting or whatever they do, 
crawling up a wall. I've seen all of it. Okay, the reason why they do it is to bring fear to get you to cower down and to calm down and to not call them out. And so I started seeing this person getting afraid. It was a real wild. It's probably the most wild manifestations I've ever seen. These tribal demons were speaking out different languages. The girl was on all fours. This is what she was on all fours on her back with her head contorted around. I'm not lying. The guy that did this with me, John, he's in the chat right now. This is true. And it was actually very crazy. It was the craziest deliverance I've ever done. You could feel the presence of darkness. All my hair was standing up all over my body during the deliverance. It was incredibly evil. The most evil demons I've ever dealt with. We cast out over 50 demons from this lady. Average, nice, normal looking lady had over 50 demons, but I could tell that the demons were doing this because I've never seen some of these manifestations and there was a spirit of Aphrodite, all this stuff you can think of. But I could tell it was doing it to try to bring fear on us for us to cower down. And so I, when the, she went up to go to the bathroom after about two hours, she said, I got to go use the restroom. And we said, okay, go use the restroom. She went to use the restroom. I looked at the, the one of the pastors, one of the leaders that was getting afraid. I said, do not be afraid. Do not let those demons know that you have fear. You need to make sure the demons don't know. And you need to say, there's no fear here. Do not show them. Do not be impressed by their power. The one that is in you is greater than the one that is in them because demons do have power. The Bible says we're fighting powers. Demons just don't have all power. So when you're doing your deliverances and when you're seeing some crazy manifestations, do not allow those crazy manifestations to bring fear on you and to bring anxiety on you. You need to make sure and don't get impressed by it, okay? Don't get impressed by levitating. I know it's shocking and it's crazy, but after you see it once, it becomes normal. Don't get impressed by people's eyes turning black. I've seen people's teeth get turned sharp. I've seen people's eyes roll back in the back of their head for hours on end. I've seen people vomit up black stuff that smelled like burning sulfur. I've seen people literally crawl up walls. I've seen people go on all fours and contort. All this stuff is real. These are all real manifestations I've seen with my eyes. I'm not making this up. It's not from a book. I'm letting you know a lot of these things, the devil's flexing okay so when he tries to flex on you you need to flex back and cast him out because he has no power over you so number three was be willing to con confront demons fearlessly okay four and five are, are, are we're trying to go quick the five is a little bit longer but we're gonna go for it here I'm not paying to stream, so I can go as long as I want, okay? And you guys get off, you can get up, come back, watch a replay, praise the Lord. We're at 700 right now on Facebook, and we're about 550 right now on YouTube, so praise the Lord. I thought we'd have maybe 100 on YouTube, but the fact that we have over 500, I'm shocked. I love it. God is good. Praise the Lord. Number four, this is very, very important. All these, every single one of these, I'm like, these are the most important ones, but this is very important. Number four, if you're going to be effective in deliverance, write this down. You need to be able, so be able to obey God in the face of criticism and persecution. Let me say that again. Be able to obey God in the face of criticism and persecution. Let me just give you a guarantee, okay? You're not gonna like this, but I'm gonna have to give it to you. I'm gonna give you a guarantee if you're doing deliverance ministry. I guarantee you, guarantee you, not maybe, not if, not but, depends on the church you go to, no, no, no. I guarantee you, you're going to be criticized, you're going to be outcasted, and you're going to be talked about. I guarantee you, at some point in your deliverance ministry, they're going to talk bad about you. They might not do it in front of you, but they will do it. They're going to outcast you, and they're going to criticize you. Jesus cast the demons out of the man at the tombs, and the Bible says, after Jesus drove the demons out of the man, the Bible says, and the city gathered, this is in your Bible, and begged him to leave. So understand that when you start doing deliverance, people are going to beg you to go away. They're not going to like you. You may get kicked out of your church. I'm just warning you for doing deliverance on people. You may get excommunicated for your family and everyone's saying, thank you. This is happening to me right now. And I'm, I'm telling you this because nobody else is going to tell you this. You may get excommunicated from your family. You may get kicked out of your church. You may get called crazy. These are things the Bible already 
already tells us and makes clear, you must be willing to obey God in the face of criticism and in the face of persecution. The first time Jesus was ever accused of being of the devil was when he did deliverance. And if they accuse Jesus of being the devil, you better believe that they're going to accuse you. So Jesus said, listen, you're going to face persecution. If it froze, just jump out and jump back in. We got a good connection here. He says, you're going to face persecution. You're going to face opposition. I promise you that, but understand that the one that is in you has already overcome the opposition. Now, if you don't want to face opposition, if you don't want to face persecution, if you're a man pleaser, being a Christian is not for you. Jesus said this, if they hated me, they're going to hate you. And when they hate you, Jesus says, not if, when, he goes, don't worry. And we just hit 700 on Facebook. Praise the Lord. Come on, share this. He says, don't worry. They hated me first. So when they hate you, don't stress out about it. They have already hated me first. When Paul delivered the girl divination, what happened to Paul? He ended up in prison for doing deliverance on that little girl. So you need to understand that this is going to get you in trouble. People say, how did Paul end up in prison? Paul ended up in prison because he did deliverance. And a lot of you are not being persecuted. Ding, 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 because you're not doing anything. So no one has anything to persecute you about. There's no reason why anyone would persecute you when you're going the flow of the culture and you're doing what the culture is doing. Now, it's easy when strangers hate on you. Listen, the chats tonight are moving so quick. I don't even know how to keep up with them. They're just going super crazy. They're going super fast. My, my YouTube chat is going faster now than my Facebook chat. It's just going crazy here. And it's one thing for a stranger to hate on you, okay? It's one thing for a stranger to say, oh, I don't like this, or oh, you're wrong, or oh, that's not the Bible, or whatever they're going to say, or whatever they're going to talk. It's another thing when someone you love hates on you. It's another thing. So be ready for your very own family to hate on you. Be ready for them to try to talk you out of it. Be ready for them to try to call you fanatical or call you radical. Deliverance is not radical. It's not fanatical. Deliverance is biblical. It's normal. It's what Jesus did. And it's what the disciples did. Critic, criticizers and critical people will come out. But you have to remember, they didn't call you. God called you. So don't sit around going, oh man, why so? and so say they didn't anoint you they didn't call you that's why you have to stop worrying about what they thought it was god that anointed you it was god that called you to deliverance ministry i didn't call you to do deliverance ministry i'm not calling you and anointing you god is the one calling you i am not jesus i am not moses god is the one called you god is the one anointed you to do deliverance ministry so understand that criticizers will come but if you remember why you started if you remember it's scriptural if you remember it's all about love if you take these attributes you'll realize and you'll be able to push past the persecution much of the persecution will come i'm telling you from 10 years of experience i'm gonna help you out so when it happens you say oh isaiah said that in his video i don't have to panic i know exactly what's going to happen most of persecution will come from other believers and various churches, okay? It's not going to come from the world. When the Spirit asked me around six months ago if I wanted to say yes to this, when the Holy Spirit came to me, if you don't know, about six months ago, the Holy Spirit came to me, said, do you want to take this mandate to teach deliverance? The Holy Spirit told me, he said, Isaiah, I'm going to give you mysteries. I'm going to give you strategies. I'm going to send confusion to the enemy's camp. And the Holy Spirit asked me in prayer, do you want to take this mandate to preach deliverance? It's going to cost you. People are going to ridicule you. People are going to talk bad about you. You're going to have sleepless nights. It's going to be a lot of work. It's going to be a lot of time. It's going to be a lot of energy. And yes, it has been. I've been more busy in the last six months than I've ever been the last 10 years combined. It's not easy to do or preach deliverance, which is why very few people are doing it. But I said, Lord, I want to do it. Yes, 
I knew when I said yes to God, it was going to come with a price. I knew it was going to require, and I'm okay with that. The Bible says much is given, much is required. I don't believe I'd be getting all the revelation God is giving me if I didn't say yes to the calling. So will there be haters? Yes. Will they persecute you? Yes. Will your family think you're crazy? Yes. Will you be at the family reunion in the last table with no tablecloth and no food? Your food's cold? Yes. Are you going to be the laughing stock maybe of your church? Yes. Are you going to be the laughing stock of the community? Yes. But I'm telling you, oh, I feel the Holy Ghost. I feel like crying on this. When you stand before God on Judgment Day, come on, Holy Ghost. When you stand before God on Judgment Day and the Lord says, well done, good and faithful servant, every negative word, every naysayer, every negative family member, every negative church is going to go out the window. I came to preach the fire of the Holy Ghost to somebody. I came to tell somebody, haters gonna hate, let them hate. Haters are free promotion. Haters are elevators. The Bible says that in the presence of your enemies, God prepares a table. If there would no, be no enemies, there would be no table. Dust your feet off and keep on moving, soldier. People on the side lines will what always criticize those i'm preaching strong tonight will always criticize those on the front lines let david's brothers hate you you got a giant to slay let joseph's brothers hate you you have a dream to fulfill let the pharisees grumble you're shifting things in the spiritual realm god has anointed you and called you and created you to tear down satan's kingdom don't let fruitless fireless passionless, motionless leaders and ministers try to talk you out of your God-given destiny. God has anointed you to do this. God has called you to do this. Okay, we're at 650 on Facebook now and 620 on YouTube. So YouTube is about to pass up Facebook. This is crazy. Now, here's what I want to say. This is very important. When they criticize you, when they talk bad about you, and we're going to pray at the end for the baptism of the Holy Spirit, we're going to pray for healing at the end, and we're going to pray for activation at the end. So if you need healing in your body, if you want to pray in the Spirit, if you want to receive the baptism, we're going to pray over all that as we do in every broadcast, because tonight people will get filled with the Holy Spirit, they'll get free, and they're going to get equipped. So don't go anywhere. It's Friday night. you got nothing to do tomorrow. Don't act like you have to get up early. Let's keep going for it. Okay, here's very important. Write this down, and we're still on the, the being able to withstand persecution. Do not let, write this down in all capitals, do not let haters make you cynical. It is very easy to get this mentality and to have a mentality of it's us, those that do deliverance, those that do miracles, those that preach the gospel, those that believe in the Bible versus all of them. It's easy to get the mentality. It's very easy to get bitter and cynical. And it's also easy in deliverance ministry to get prideful because you think you're the only one doing it. But I'm telling you guys, this is a trap of the enemy. Brush it off when they say things about you. Don't get cynical. Don't get bitter. Don't get angry, but brush it off because I'm telling you this from experience. Haters are going to come. Don't let them harden your heart. Don't let them make you get cynical or bitter or get uh, resentful or not do it. Don't let the haters stop you from doing deliverance. That's what they want to do. If you let the haters stop you from doing deliverance, you're giving them what they wanted. It's time to prove every hater wrong and say, I'm not going to stop. Now, some people might think, well, Isaiah, the last like four months, you've been focusing on deliverance ministry. You must just be angry and tired all the time. Friend, can I just say something? And thank you for all of you that are donating through YouTube and Facebook. You guys are crazy. And I'll read all these after. I am more happy right now 
teaching on deliverance, taking up this mantle, taking up this assignment, okay, and YouTube's about to pass up Facebook and viewers right now, than I've ever been in all of my life. I'm more happy in my marriage, in my family, with my kids, in my house, in my ministry, in my calling. I'm more happy right now than I've ever been in the last 10 years of my ministry. Deliverance does not get you bitter unless you let it. I'm more happy now seeing God move in our generation during COVID, seeing people get changed, seeing people get moved than I've ever been before. So don't let it. You don't have to be hard-hearted. You don't have to be bitter. You don't have to be angry. The only anger I have is I hate evil. I'm angry at the enemy. The Bible says be angry, but don't sin. So it's okay to be angry, but you need to put your anger at the right place. And our anger is towards the devil, which is why we do deliverance. Is because we want to tear down the enemy's kingdom. Okay. Number four, we already went over it, was to be able to stand in the midst of persecution. Number five, and many of you are going to type in the chat. I'll make sure that I put all these points from this week and last week. I'll make sure I put them in the video description on YouTube. So if you're missing these points, I'll make sure that they're all on YouTube. So you don't have to panic. You don't have to stress. They're all going to be there. Okay, here's our last one. Or maybe we'll see how long we go because I already know that we're taking forever here. But here's the last one that I want to go over um, tonight that's very, very important. I want you to write this down. If you're going to be effective and an attribute that you must have if you want to be in deliverance ministry, drum roll, is you need to be proficient in the weapons of warfare. Write that down. That should have been number one. They all should have been number one. You need to be proficient in the weapons of warfare. So you need to know the weapons of warfare. In the ar- if in any army, you need to be proficient in weapons. So if you go to the US Army, you have to be trained in weapons. If you go into law enforcement, you have to be trained in weapons. They're not gonna give you a weapon unless you're trained with it. So understand that you must be proficient in spiritual weapons. I'm gonna talk about some of these spiritual weapons you need to gain proficiency in. But understand that in the battle of deliverance and the supernatural warfare and the battle of the spirit, we've been given defensive armor and we've been given offensive weapons. We're not naked in the battle. Okay, write that down. You're not running in the battle naked. You're not running out without armor. You're not running out without weapons. Well, some of you are, but after tonight, you won't be. We are not unequipped in this battle. We are in a battle. We are in a wrestling match. We're in a cosmic war. There's angels and demons all around. The Bible says fighting, going to war fighting for our soul. So we are in a battle, but we've been given weapons in this battle. We've been given armor. Now, Paul says in Ephesians 6 to put on the whole armor of God that you may stand. Now, I want you to pay special attention when we talk about the armor of God to the helmet of salvation, which is the guarding of your thought life. This is the ability to separate your thoughts from demonic thoughts. 2 Corinthians 10, 5 says, casting down every argument and high thing that exalts itself above the knowledge of God, bringing every thought into captivity into, I'm sorry, into captivity to the obedience of Christ. So you need to learn to refuse every thought the enemy gives you. You take the thoughts captive. Any thought that you get that exalts itself above the knowledge of God, you don't allow it to take root. You don't dwell on negative thoughts. You don't get bitter. Anything coming in from those outside sources, you need to understand that these negative thoughts are an indicator that a demon is trying to get in or trying to re-enter. And you need to immediately quote scripture when you get these thoughts. Because remember, so a man thinks, so a man is. Everything is starting in a thought. Sin starts with a thought. Compromise starts with a thought. Nobody just accidentally falls over and they fall into sin. It all starts with a thought. This is all starting in our thoughts. So I want you to take special note of the helmet of salvation. And this is one of the ways I deal with anxious thoughts. If I said type one, 
if you deal with anxious anxiety or anxious thoughts, I could probably guarantee 75% of you would type one. We live in a very fast paced, stressful culture, and many of us are dealing with anxiety and anxious thoughts. And so we need to learn how to catch those thoughts, take them captive and make them obedient to the knowledge of God. Psalms 94, 19, David actually dealt with anxious thoughts. David talked about dealing with anxious thoughts. He says, when my anxious thoughts multiply within me, your constellations delight my soul. So David said, when I have these anxious thoughts, they multiply. And if you've ever dealt with anxiety, you know that anxious thoughts multiply. The moment you get an anxious thought, it gets worse, it gets worse, it gets worse, and it keeps growing. David said, my anxious thoughts multiply, but your constellations delight my soul. So David is talking about dealing with anxiety, but you need to use verses like this, and I'm gonna give you the verse, to take anxiety captive. This is Isaiah 26.3. If you deal with anxiety, I want you right now to write down Isaiah 26.3 because this is gonna help you break out of anxiety. You fight the enemy with God's word. Isaiah 26, three, you will keep him in perfect peace whose mind is stayed on you because he trusts in you. So whenever I get anxiety, I quote that. You will, you will keep him in perfect peace. You'll keep me in perfect peace. As long as my mind is stayed on you, you will keep me in perfect peace. I'm not going to let the enemy build in my mind. I'm not going to let the enemy strategize in my mind. You need to know we need the armor. We need the scriptures. We need the word of God to combat the enemy. This is our, this is a valuable, invaluable resource to fight against the enemy. Because remember, Paul says we don't wrestle against flesh and blood. So Paul is in a prison under, this is what scholars say. He's in a prison under the Colosseum and they're fighting above him. The gladiators are fighting over flesh and blood. It was a sport. They were literally murdering Christians and the gladiators were fighting. And Paul says, is riding from a prison cell, most scholars believe. And Paul is saying, we're not battling flesh and blood. Paul's saying, up there, they're fighting flesh and blood. They're fighting with swords and they're cutting each other up and they're fighting to the death. Paul says, that's not how we fight. We're not fighting against flesh and blood. We're fighting a spiritual battle in the spiritual realm and we're fighting against persons with no bodies. They have no flesh, they have no blood, but they are personalities and they are people, they're demons. And they have full personalities, they have wills, they have emotions, they have, they're stubborn. And I talked about that in my last video, but you need to understand Paul says we're fighting a battle. So if somebody came in and broke in your house in the middle of the night, most of you, if you have a gun, and four little girls like I do, I have four babies, four toddlers, a six, a four, a two, and a newborn. If somebody broke in my house in the middle of the night, believe this, I'm gonna grab a shotgun and meet you at the door. I'm just saying, because I'm going to protect my family and I'm going to defend my family. That, that's what I would do. Now in the spirit realm, when demons come after our family, when demons attack our family, our marriage, we can't pull out a shotgun and shoot a demon. How many know you can't shoot a demon? So what do we do? We fight in a spiritual battle and we fight with the armor of God. So we know that there is a war and you can't shoot a demon. You have to deal with demons in the supernatural. You have to deal with demons with the armor of God and you need to use the weapon. So Paul says, I'm almost done here, but Paul says, put on the whole armor of God so you can stand firm. Don't just put on pieces of the armor. Some of you have the helmet, but not the breastplate. You have the sword, but not the shield. You have the shoes, but not the belt. But Paul says, put on the full armor. Don't only wear pieces because you're not going to win if you're just fighting with pieces. The devil loves believers that only wear certain pieces. Demons love believers that pick and choose what armor or what they want to believe and only have partial pieces. No, the devil, the Bible says, is strategizing against you. That word means a military plan. So the devil is planning a military plan against you. And the only way to overcome the enemy, Paul says, is by putting on the full armor of God. So we don't put on a piece. We don't just have peace. We don't just have faith. 
We don't just have the sword. We put on the full armor of God so that after the battle, after the war, that we're able to stand firm, that you're the only one standing, that the enemy is not standing once you get done with him. So he says, put on the belt of truth first. And this is the, the belt that would hold, and I'll go quick on this. The belt of truth was what would hold every other piece of armor together because know this, in deliverance, the truth is what brings everything together. The truth is what we rely on. This is the most important thing that you know the word because the Bible says, and the truth will make you free. The truth will set you free. So demons come to get you to challenge the truth because there is delivering power in the truth. A lot of times people, the devil will come and say, are you sure God said that? Are you sure God is going to bless you? Are you sure that this is real? And it wants to make you question the truth of God's word. And I'm telling you, do not believe the lies because what is true and what is truth is a completely different thing. Now, this is easy to describe if we talk about healing. You might have been born with sickness and they, the doctors might say there's no cure. That might be true. So it might be true you're sick and you were born that way and there's no cure. But the truth is by his stripes you're made healed you might be it might be true that you're addicted right now it might be true that you love alcohol or drugs right now but the truth is the anointing breaks the yoke of bondage so you might say i've been struggling with ye for years with this and that might be true but the truth is god says i can heal you i can deliver and i can restore you so don't trade what is true for what is truth you need the belt of truth to be able to hold everything together. Then the breastplate of righteousness. This is to protect your vital organs from fatal blows. The righteousness of Christ protects us from the accusations of the enemy. When the devil tries to accuse us, remember the devil and the demons are the accuser of the brethren. The breastplate of righteousness protects us from the accusations of the enemy. And we're able to walk in not our righteousness, but the righteousness of Christ. This is what protects our heart. This is what protects from getting bitter. Okay, the shoes of peace, the Bible says, come from the good news and to be full prepared. So this is back then when they would fight battles, they would lay out traps and snares and they would have to wear shoes to guard them from the snares and the traps and the pitfalls of the enemy. So if they stepped on sharp objects, the objects would not penetrate them and they would be able to keep marching on. So peace gives us the ability to keep walking through sharp or rough situations. So if your marriage is going through it, I release the shoes of peace over you. If your body is going through it, I release the shoes of peace over you. If you're dealing with stuff in your finances, the shoes of peace will help you. I hope this is making sense to you. Walk through the difficult situations that you're going through, the tough, the rough, the sharp situations. It's that peace that will, able, will let you walk through it. Some situations, you need the peace of God to protect you. And I came to tell someone tonight, you're going to make it. The peace of God is coming around you now. I have good news that Jesus Christ won, that you don't have to stress. You don't have to have anxiety. You don't have to have fear. Keep marching on, soldier. I know you're tired. I know you feel like the enemy's winning. I know you feel like there's no hope. I know you feel like you're never going to win, but keep marching. There is victory in Christ. The devil will not have the last word. The shoes of peace. Then there's the shield of faith. Now this, I'll go, I'll go quick on these, is to stop the fiery darts of the enemy. So above all, the Bible says the shield of faith is the most significant, and this is what keeps you going. This is what protects you from the darts of temptation. This is what protects you from the darts of anxiety. This is what protects you from the darts of confusion and the darts of deception. When Jezebel shoots her darts at you, it's this shield that could protect you in every direction. So they might be talking behind your back, the shield could protect your back. They might be talking at you in your face, the shield could protect you in your face. 
on your side. The shield was the size of a door and it could protect them in any direction. So the faith has the ability to protect you in any direction. This is the shield of faith that God wants to release. And we have over 1300 viewers now and YouTube's about to pass Facebook. Thank you everyone watching. I'm reading both chats still. So we need to have that. Okay, the helmet of salvation. Let me just go quick on this. We can do a five-hour teaching on the armor of God one day. The helmet of salvation protects your thought life. It protects your mind. I remember one time I was preaching, and there was witches that came. They told us they were coming. We saw them. They were casting spells, all this stuff. And whenever witches come to our meetings, which is a lot of the time, I would doubt that any of the last five meetings I did, there weren't witches there. Because obviously, when you're preaching about this, you're talking about this, you're on YouTube, you're on Facebook, you're going to attract witches. And they were trying to cast spells on me while I was preaching, and I felt... I, when witchcraft tries to attack me, I feel like somebody's grabbing the top of my head. It doesn't affect my mind. It doesn't, it just feels like someone's squeezing me. And after I got done, I asked the Lord, I said, Lord, how was it that those witches were not able to penetrate me? They were not able to attack me. They were not able to put their spells on me. And the Lord said, Isaiah, they were trying to cause confusion in your mind. So you couldn't preach with clarity. So sometimes when preachers are preaching and they don't have the armor on, they lose track or they just lose their train of thought over and over and they get all frustrated. And they say, Isaiah, I don't know why every time I get to preach, I lose my train of thought a lot of times. That's, that's witches trying to put witchcraft on you. And I said, Lord, why was it? And obviously a curse can't fall without a cause. So there, there's no open door that can't come. But the Lord said, Isaiah, the helmet of salvation, this is what the Holy Spirit spoke to me. He said, the helmet of salvation is your protection against witchcraft is your protection against mind control, which I'm going to do a video, a short video on mind control soon. This is a function of witchcraft is mind control. He said, the helmet is your protection. So when you get up to preach, you put that helmet on guys, you should not be going into any deliverance without putting the armor of God on. I remember one time I was in deliverance and the demon spoke out of the person and said, I could see right through this guy. And the guy was my deliverance partner. And we were like, what do you mean? And the demon said, I could see right through him. We said, what do you mean? See through him. And the the demon said, I could see right into him because he's not wearing his armor. That's what the demons told us. He said, the, the, the guy with your doing deliverance is not wearing his armor and I could see right through him. And I looked at him. I said, did you pray your armor on before we started? He said, no. So the demon even recognized that the armor wasn't on. And I don't know how it works, but somehow the armor of God in the spirit gives us protection over demons being able to infiltrate or penetrate. So you need to make sure that you're wearing the helmet of salvation every day, put the armor on. If you wouldn't leave the house without clothes on, you shouldn't leave the house without the armor of God on. The armor of God is essential for the believer. You need to wear it. Now, there's there's one offensive weapon in the, in the whole armor, and that's the sword of the spirit. Remember what Jesus fought the enemy with? If it was good enough for Jesus to fight the enemy with, it's good enough to me to fight the enemy with, and that was the sword of the spirit. You can't know the sword or know the word if you don't spend time in it. Jesus fought the enemy by saying it is written. Our generation doesn't know what's written, so they're not able to fight the enemy. You need to know the Bible. If you're going to be a deliverer, if you're going to be an exorcist, if you're going to drive out demons, you need to know the scripture and you need to be involved in this because remember, Jesus broke demonic power with God's word. And so we need to fight. Now, the last thing that's often overlooked in the armor of God after the sword is to pray in the spirit always in every occasion. So the armor is not complete with just those weapons, but he ends by saying, pray in the spirit always on every occasion. And some of you might ask, well, do I just pray at prayer meetings? Listen, if you want to be effective in fighting spiritual warfare, you need to pray like it's breathing in every occasion and always. You don't have to remember to breathe, so you shouldn't have to remember to pray. It needs to become natural. Prayer has to be the oxygen for our spirit man. It has to become natural to us. So you need to, if you're going to be effective, develop a prayer life. Okay, 
Let me go through a couple more weapons, and then I'm done. We're going to pray. We've been streaming for an hour and a half. or been recording for an hour and 15 minutes. Let me just give you a couple more weapons that you need to be proficient in. So the first weapons are the armor of God. Make sure you're proficient in that. The next weapon I want to talk about is the power to bind and loose. And I won't go long on this because I've already done whole videos on this. The power to bind and loose is in, Mar in Matthew 16, 18. And basically, God says you've given, been given keys that what you bind on earth shall be bound in heaven what you loose on earth shall be loose in heaven let me give you this quick jesus said i've given you keys keys to bind keys to loose let me translate this what you bind on the earthly realm so when you say i bind you to a demon you're binding it on earth okay he says when you bind it on earth it will be bound in the heavenlies not in heaven but it's the heavenlies, which is the spiritual realm, because remember, there's more than one heaven. So it's not like when you bind a demon, God in heaven binds a demon in heaven. Remember, there's no demons in heaven, y'all. Come on. When you bind something with your words, it's bound now. God says, I'll take your words and I'll bind it in the spirit realm. When you loose something with your words, so you can loose angels. Remember, Hebrews 1, angels are God's ministering spirits. When you loose angels on the earth with your words, I'll loose them in the spiritual realm. So, what you bind with your words, I'll bind them in the spiritual realm. What you loose with your words, I'll loose them in the spiritual realm. So you do have power and you do have keys to bind and to loose. And this is all happening, remember, in the unseen realm. Now, don't get caught up in what the church is caught up in. And just because I can't see it doesn't mean it's not real. Because remember, the Bible says to put your eyes on the unseen realm because the Bible says the unseen realm is more real than the seen realm. So the unseen realm is not just as real it's more real. The spiritual realm is not just as real. It's more real. And don't listen to all those people saying, oh, you're so heavenly high. You're no earthly good. If you're not heavenly high, you're no earthly good. So you need to understand that we are spiritual beings. We are spiritual people that we are created to make war and to fight in the supernatural realm, in the spiritual realm. Okay. The next weapon is the power of agreement. That's a very powerful weapon. And that's found in Matthew 18, 19. It says, again, I say to you that if two or two of you agree on earth concerning anything that they ask, it will be done for them by my father in heaven. That's a power of agreement. Now, this is very, very powerful in deliverance because you, you need to have the team that you have doing deliverance come in agreement with you if you want them to go. You need to make sure that those other people in the deliverance are in agreement. Countless times in deliverance when a demon won't leave, I'll say, all right, guys, it's about to leave because I'll be able to feel it's about to leave. I'll say, everybody command it to go at once. And then when everybody starts saying, go in Jesus' name, go in Jesus' name. Why are we doing that? We're not, it's not a chance, not a seance. We're doing it because why? I'll tell you why. Matthew 18, 19. If two of you agree on something on earth concerning anything they ask, it will be done by my Father in heaven. So, when we agree, God moves and the demon ends up leaving usually. So there's a special power in agreement. When I'm traveling and you guys are lining up and I pray for you guys, which I love doing, I love meeting you guys, I love praying with you guys. The last three services I did, I stayed for two to three hours after the service to pray with you guys. But when I'm praying with you guys and you come up to me and you say, Isaiah, will you pray for my unsafe son? Okay, first of all, you, you have to have been praying for him first or nothing's gonna happen. Second of all, all I'm doing, I'm not magical. I don't have any special power, but here's where the power is. Isaiah Saldivar and you grab hands and we come in agreement. 
And Jesus says, when you come in agreement and you both agree on something, whether your kid's going to escape, whether your family's going to get delivered, he says, when you agree, there's movement in the heavenly realms and the Father begins to work on your behalf. Are you guys getting that? So that's the power of agreement. But don't come asking people for prayer if you haven't prayed about it because there's nothing for me to agree about with you. Okay, the next weapon is praise. Psalms 8.2, through the praise of children and infants, you've established a stronghold against your enemies to silence the foe and the avenger. Let me read that again, Psalms 8.2. Through the praise of children and infants, you've established a stronghold against your enemy to silence the foe and the avenger. The avenger is translated to Satan. So praise builds strongholds that help us fight demonic warfare. The enemy, remember, it silences him. He needs to be silenced because he's constantly accusing you. He's the accuser of the brethren. Remember when Acts 16, when Paul and Silas were in prison, how did Paul and Silas break out of natural prison? They praised their way out. Why? Because when you praise, it invokes the armies of God. Sometimes in deliverance, when you stall out, this is very important. If you're doing a deliverance and you stall out and you don't know what to do and you feel stuck and we've all been there in deliverance and we just hit we just hit 670 on YouTube and 660 on Facebook. So we now have more YouTube viewers live than Facebook. Praise the Lord, guys. We have over 1,300 live right now through Facebook and YouTube. Awesome. I'm so glad that we're doing this multi-stream. And by the way, all of our streams going forward now, Monday, Tuesday, and Friday, will be both on YouTube and Facebook, and I'm going to work more in integrating the chats together and doing all that stuff so you guys can see them together. If I put the chats on screen, they're going to move too quick. You won't be able to read them, but we're going to work on that, and we're going to get something figured out. But understand that when deliverance stalls out, oftentimes we'll just put on worship music. I told you guys, one of my favorites is old school. It's Freedom Reigns by Jesus Culture. It's like, I don't know, it's probably 10 or more years old. And so when you're doing deliverance, if you stall out or you don't know what to do, just put on the music and let that praise begin to praise. And the demons hate that praise. Oftentimes that'll drive them out. Okay, couple more here. And this next one, I guarantee you've never heard before. The next weapon of warfare you need to be proficient on is the, the talents and the abilities that you already have. So God will use what you have to destroy the enemy's works. For instance, I'm a nerd. Okay. I know about cameras. I know about lighting. I spent hours and hours and hours learning about what's the best microphone, what's the best camera, what's the best platform, how to get things popped up. I've spent hundreds of hours since January learning about streaming, and that's why we keep every week getting better and better and better, and we're able to reach more people is because I'm a nerd. So the fact that I'm a nerd, I'm now able to use that nerdiness and the ability and the talent that God has given me to advance his kingdom, and in turn, what happens? Tonight, we're giving the devil a double black eye. He's losing the Super Bowl, okay? Why? Because we're able to now multi-broadcast, reach over 1,300 people live. You know, hundreds of thousands will watch it this week. And we're destroying the enemy with this deliverance teaching because God is using my natural abilities of being nerdy to reach more people. So understand that you are involved in the deliverance. You are involved. God will use your abilities. God will use your talents. God will, so don't think like, oh, I'm dead now. I'm nobody. And God just, you know, no, God says, I will use. Now, let me give you a verse for this. When Moses, when God called Moses to Egypt and to deliver the Israelites out of slavery, Moses, and I'm going to paraphrase all this for the sake of time. Moses said, God, you can't use me. I don't have anything for you to use. In response, in Exodus chapter four, God asked Moses. Now Moses is arguing with God, saying, God, because this is some of you, I don't have anything. I'm not talented. I'm not good looking. I don't have any. And you just think God can't use you because you're like, I don't have any natural talents or abilities. So this is Moses, a stuttering, babbering, babbling, been on the backside of the mountain wilderness, doesn't know what's going on. And God shows up, says, Moses, I want to use you. Exodus four, Moses, God, you can't use me. I don't have no abilities or talents. 
Exodus 4, I'm going to give you word for word what the Bible says. God says to Moses, what is in your hand? Okay, think about this. This is good, so I'm going to take my time. Moses is holding a staff saying, God, you can't use me. I have nothing for you to use. And God looks around and goes, hmm, what could I use with this guy? Wow, there's a staff there. What is that, Moses? And Moses basically says, it's just my shepherd's rod. In other words, it's natural. It's not supernatural. There's nothing you can do with it. And then God says this. Oh, I felt the Holy Ghost all over this. And some of you Facebook people, we just shot up on Facebook because you guys are like, YouTube can't pass us. Now you guys are all sharing to try to beat YouTube here. Okay, God says this. Watch this. Throw it on the ground. And the Bible says, when Moses did that, God commanded his rod to become a snake and he ran from his own rod. So God says, Moses, Moses says, God, you can't use me. I don't have anything. Moses says, and God says, what's in your hand? Moses said, it's a rod. It's nothing. It's natural. It's a shepherd's rod. I'm natural. There's nothing you can do with me. And God goes, hmm, throw it on the ground and command it to become a snake. The rod becomes a snake. And then all of a sudden Moses runs from his own gifting. He runs, oh, I feel the Holy Ghost on this. He runs from his own talent. Stop running from your talent. If God made you a good rapper, then rap and destroy hell with your rap. If God made you good at social media, use social media to destroy hell. If God's given you a testimony that broke you out of pornography and lust and drug addiction, use your testimony to break others out. Whatever is in your hand, this is free tonight, guys. I'm not charging for you to be here, okay? This is a freebie, free nugget, bonus nugget, bonus shrimp on the side. God says, I want to use it. Don't run from your calling. Don't run from your ability. I played for our church drums for like four years. And everyone's like, you're the drummer? You play drums? Okay, the only reason why I play drums is because no one else could play and I had the talent because I used to be in a band. And I played drums, drums since I was 12 and I traveled and I was in a band and doing all the stuff and doing the tours and all that. So then I got saved. I didn't tell anyone I could play drums for years. Nobody knew I could play drums. I didn't tell anyone because I didn't want people to ask me to play drums for their church. And so we started a worship team and no one could play drums. And so I'm going to play drums. So for four years, I would play drums and then get up and preach after why? Because God said, Isaiah, throw your drumstick on the ground and I'm going to use your drumstick to destroy hell because hell just, I mean, praise destroys hell. So stop running from your giftings. Stop running from your talents. If you're good at something, then use what you're good at to destroy the kingdom of darkness. Now the Bible says with that rod, Moses used it to literally break the rule of Egypt. I mean, break the rule of Pharaoh off of the children of Israel. So he used that rod to bring out all the children of Israel. That was the rod he used. So don't think God can't take your normal skills because guys, here's the thing. Deliverance does not just happen. You need to be intentional. We just launched our deliverance map. I honestly believe I'm not being arrogant. I'm not being cocky. I'm not, oh, I'm this, no. please. If you know me, hear my heart. I believe this deliverance map we made was a strategy from God. I believe it was a word from God. I believe it was a thing that God said to do because no one's ever done this that I know of to make a map where people can get deliverance and then find people that need deliverance. I've never seen. So we saw the problem. The problem was the church in my area doesn't do deliverance. My family won't do deliverance. That's the problem. You can't find no one to pray for you. The solution is let's get a strategy from God so that we can do something so that we can solve this. And then God says, okay, do the deliverance map and then God. But here's the thing. The deliverance map did not just happen. Some of you think that God's just gonna do what he wants to do in you, it's just gonna happen. No, we had to research, get software, 
I had to get my all my nerdy abilities and start learning how do I put pins there? How do I get a custom map? How do we take away people's addresses so no one knows where you live while still knowing the area? How do we put, you know, I had to, we had to do this. How do we make an application on the website? So these are things that we have to do. It's not just gonna happen. So with deliverance, let God use it. Okay. Whew. This has been a good night, y'all. If you did not get blessed tonight, I blessed myself tonight. Last, last and final thing I'm gonna say, last weapon is the gifts of the Holy Spirit. These are weapons of warfare. I'm gonna give you the three main gifts and I have videos on all these gifts. So if you wanna go to my YouTube channel, Supernatural Abilities, I talk about all these gifts. I have videos on these gifts as well. The three gifts you're gonna use, write these down. You'll use all the gifts, but these are the three main ones you're gonna use in deliverance. Number one is a word of knowledge. And this specifically is when deliverance stalls out and you need to figure out what demon's there and why it won't leave. You'll get a word of knowledge for the person, for what demon it is, or for the situation or where to go. So number one is word of knowledge. Number two is word of wisdom. And this is in making decisions and coming up with a battle plan is the word of wisdom. God will give you wisdom and strategy. Number three is the discerning of spirits gift. I see you, Marcus Wendell. What's, what's up, bro? I'm glad you're here. Is the discerning of spirits gift. And this is to discern what spirits are there and how they're functioning. So those are the three main gifts you're going to use and by the way we are almost at 700 viewers we're about to hit 700 on youtube 660 on facebook praise the lord okay so those are the three main gifts you're going to use i've done an entire thing on this now let me give you one final note and then we're going to pray last thing i'm going to say about this if you're going to be a deliverer to end this we've done this is now three hours total we've talked about being a effective deliverer if you're going to be a deliverer you need to remain teachable write that down that's the last thing i want you to write down remain teachable you need to be open to change your strategies, to change your beliefs. You need to be you need to be open to the fact that you don't know it all. And then here we go. I'm gonna say something that's gonna shock all of you. I don't know it all. There's so much I don't know. And I'm being serious about this. I'm not being false humble. There is so much that I don't know. I feel like I'm literally just scratching the surface when it comes to deliverance ministry. And so you need to know you don't know it all. I don't know it all. Stay humble, stay teachable, because as you progress in deliverance, you'll constantly learn. Nobody knows it all. We're all students. And if you talk to anybody that says, oh, I know how to drive out. I know all you do is say one word and they leave and all my delivery, they don't, they're arrogant. They're proud. They don't know what they're talking about. The moment you stop being teachable is the moment that you stop growing in deliverance ministry. So you need to remain teachable. Okay, what I want to do is I want to begin to pray and I want to begin to call out to God and I really want to ask the Lord to just bring an equipping tonight, to just bring deliverance tonight, to just bring healing tonight, guys. We have over 1,400 people watching right now. Many of you are sick in body. Many of you need breakthrough. Many of you need deliverance. We have the Facebook chat right there up on screen. But I really want tonight, actually, you know what? Let me switch back to here. We'll go to that one after. I really want tonight to pray and to believe that God wants to release deliverance and healing. I'll put that on after so you don't, guys don't get distracted while we pray. But I really want to pray and believe God if you're here and you have to jump off there's links all over there's links in the description links in the comment if you want to sew i'll read all the chat after some of you asking when are you going to read the donations i'm going to read all the donations after but i want to make sure you stay here because i want to pray for deliverance this is very very important this is very significant that we pray for breakthrough we pray for the baptism of the holy spirit we pray for the gifts of the spirit to be stirred up we pray for healing and we pray for activation so wherever you're at you can close your eyes. You can open your eyes. It doesn't matter. Some of you think that prayer doesn't work if you close your eyes. That's unscriptural, okay? You can keep your eyes open. But I want you to put your hands out, and I just want you to receive, because I believe tonight those that don't pray in the Spirit are going to pray in the Spirit for the first time. I believe those that want to, you know, get delivered could get delivered tonight. I believe those that are sick in body. I know so many people right now sick with COVID. 
I've been hearing from people all day long that their parents are sick with COVID. Several of them in the hospital. I'm heartbroken, guys, by all the people I know that are sick in the hospital with COVID right now. I believe tonight there is a power to break COVID. And there's a power to bring healing. And I believe tonight God wants to heal those of you that are sick with COVID. Those that have family in the hospital, I believe tonight God wants to bring healing and restoration. So let's pray and let's just believe God for a supernatural. Let's believe for demonstration. I don't want to just preach. I've been preaching for an hour and 30 minutes. We've been live for almost two hours. I believe tonight this is the most important part for demonstration. Let's pray. Father, we ask you in Jesus' name, not Isaiah's name, but in Jesus' name, that you would bring breakthrough and deliverance right now. We ask right now for your fire. We ask right now for your anointing. We ask right now for your power to be released. I just pray that you would send your ministering angels over all those watching that need breakthrough, God. Your word says in Hebrews 1 that these are your ministering spirits and that they minister to the believer. So Lord, send your legions of angels over your people right now. Send breakthrough over your people right now. Send your fire over your people right now. God, we ask for the Holy Spirit fire. We ask for the Holy Spirit anointing. We ask Holy Spirit that you would just do what only you can do in Jesus' name. God, we pray for a fresh fire. Listen, over some of you that are dry, over some of you that are tired, some of you that are wore out, I pray right now a fresh anointing over you. I pray a fresh fire over you. I say that you will keep going, that you will not give up, that God is not done with you, but there is more that God has for you. Father, I pray right now, let's just pray for healing. If you're sick in body, put your hand on wherever you need healing. Right now, I pray the healing power of God just to begin to flow through your hands in Jesus' name. I say be healed in Jesus' name. I say, Holy Spirit, bring your healing power. I come against every sickness. I come against every disease. I come against every infirmity right now. I say be healed. I command your body to come in alignment with God's word. And I say be healed and restored in Jesus' name. Guys, this is not Isaiah's name. We're not praying in my name. We're praying in Jesus' name. So we say be healed in Jesus' name. We say be restored in Jesus' name. We say be just delivered in Jesus' name. And I just pray the healing power of the Holy Spirit right now just to come over your body in Jesus' name just to come over your body right now in Jesus' name. Father, send your healing. Psalms 103.3, all sickness, all disease, Mark 16.17, that right now, right now, complete healing in Jesus' name. Right now, over your family. Listen, if you have a family with COVID, stand in the gap for them right now. Stand in the gap for them right now. I see people right now in the chat saying, right now, Marcella, I pray for your dad. Marcella's dad is sick right now. I pray healing over your dad, Marcella, in Jesus' name. He will live and not die, Marcella. I speak over your dad. He will live and not die. I command now COVID to come off of him, sickness to be broken. In Jesus' name, we just say be healed now in Jesus' name. Many of you right now are typing in the chat that you're sick. You have family with COVID. We ask for the healing power of God to flow now. We just stand in the gap for our family. We stand in the gap for our friends and we say be healed and be delivered in Jesus' name. Father, I pray for those that want to be deliverers. I pray that everything I've taught in the last three hours of this, these broadcasts, I just pray, God, that you would raise them up, God. I pray that your anointing would be on them. I pray that they would take this serious. I pray the word would not come back void. I say that the bird and the enemy, who is the enemy is the bird, would not steal the word out of your heart. But I speak the word of God over every person watching, over every home watching. I speak the word of God. I say that this word will grow fruit and that you will prosper and you will go on to do deliverance, that you will be a deliverer, that you will do everything that God has called you to do, everything God has anointed you to do, this is your season, this is your moment, God right now is touching you, and God is going to use you, in Jesus' name, we just release it, now listen, if you've never been baptized in the Holy Spirit, I want to pray right now for the baptism of the Holy Spirit with the evidence of speaking in tongues, I'm not exaggerating, we've had hundreds of people on the broadcast get filled with the Holy Spirit for the first time. I don't care if you've been praying for this for years, you've been in church 30 years. Right now, the Bible says, if you being evil know how to give good gifts, how much more 
does your heavenly father want to give the Holy Spirit to them that ask? So God wants you to get, wants to give you the Holy Spirit. He wants to give you his power. He wants to give you his anointing. So right now, by the power of the Holy Spirit, by the anointing of the Holy Spirit, God is moving right now. So we just ask right now in Jesus' name, Lord, for the baptism of the Holy Spirit to be released. Father, we pray in Jesus' name that you would release your power, that you would release your Holy Spirit, that those that don't speak in tongues, those that have not been full of the Holy Spirit, we say be full now of the Holy Spirit in Jesus' name. We say be filled with the Holy Spirit no English, just begin to open your mouth, begin to speak in tongues. This is a gift for everybody. Praying in tongues is for everybody. And right now, God wants to release this over you. We just say, open up your mouth, rivers of living water. Holy Spirit, baptize them. Holy Spirit, baptize them. Rushing wind, tongues of fire, rest upon them. In Jesus' name, Father, we pray for your power. We pray for your anointing. We pray for your baptism to be released now in Jesus' name. Just receive this now in Jesus' name. Yes, yes, yes. People are writing right now on YouTube chat. They're saying, I just got full of the Holy Spirit. People are writing on Facebook chat saying they're getting filled. They're speaking in tongues. Listen, guys, when you begin to speak in tongues for the first time, just begin to let it flow. Just begin to let it flow. Let that river flow. Let it overtake you and just begin to speak in it. Don't stop. Let it flow. Yes, people are saying, I'm speaking in tongues right now. Father, we pray right now. Right now, all through the chat. In Jesus' name, be full of the Holy Spirit. In Jesus' name, be full of the Holy Spirit. Be full of the Holy Spirit right now in Jesus' name. Okay, guys, I want to pray for deliverance over you right now. And then we're going to read through all the donations and go into all that. If you want to sow, if you want to give, I'll put the link here. Let me just type this on YouTube. But I want to pray right now. I want to pray specifically a deliverance prayer over you, a, de a prayer of breakthrough, a prayer of deliverance. I just pinned it for all of you asking on YouTube. I pinned the links that you can give on PayPal and you can give on Monthly Partner. The there you go. It's on there on the YouTube now. I forgot to do that this in the beginning. Okay. If you need breakthrough, there's some of you asking about sleep paralysis. You're asking about being double-minded. I see your chat there on YouTube and you're asking for deliverance. I'm going to pray for deliverance and I'm going to believe God wants to deliver you. I it might not be a full deliverance. You might still need to go get a tune-up or get some more deliverance, but I believe tonight God wants to bring deliverance over you in Jesus name God wants to bring his power over you God wants to bring his anointing on you and so I really really believe there's going to be deliverance that breaks out right here I believe as we pray the Holy Spirit is going to send his angels to bring deliverance so whatever you need deliverance of we're going to call those things out so right now in Jesus' name, we plead the blood of, of Jesus over every single person watching. We plead the blood of Jesus over your mind. We break every demonic spirit. We break every demonic power. We break every familiar spirit. We bind up every spirit of witchcraft, of anxiety, of depression, of lust. We command every unclean spirit listening to be bound in Jesus' name. We rebuke you in Jesus' name. You have no authority. You have no power. We speak the delivering hand of God over you now. We bind up those spirits. We command them to go into the abyss and to never return in Jesus' name. Satan, you have no power. Satan, these people are not your home. And we just command right now breakthrough to come in Jesus' name. We command deliverance to come in Jesus' name. We ask right now, Lord, that you would send your angels to make war against these spirits. And we bind up every demonic spirit. We command it to go into the abyss and to go into the the pit and to never return in Jesus name we say every generational curse is broken by the blood of Jesus right now every generational curse is broken by the blood of Jesus now every spell every heck some of you are in the chat saying I've got a spell put on me we break it now in Jesus name by the blood of Jesus we're not pulling no punches tonight. By the blood of Jesus, we break every curse. We break every spell. We break every hex. Satan, you have no power. You have no authority. And we just ask you, Lord, right now, bring your anointing, bring your power, 
bring deliverance over your people, set the captives free. We pray right now that every shackle and every chain would be broken in Jesus' name. We speak deliverance. We speak freedom, freedom, freedom in Jesus' name. Every, every witchcraft, yeah, every curse is broken now in Jesus' name. And Father, we just thank you for what you're doing. We thank you for what you did tonight. We thank you that there's breakthrough now and that God is moving on your behalf and God is moving in your life. I want to thank all of you. I'm going to hang out here and chat with the comments with all you guys. I'm going to read through all the donations. We have a lot of donations coming through, so I need, I'm going to take some time to read these. And let me go ahead. Um, as we say every week, if you're new on YouTube, we always say don't dine and dash. If God moved in your life, if you want to support the stream, we're not charging anybody. We're not taking up a 30-minute offering, but there's links there. Also, make sure you comment, you like, and subscribe. It really does help. Thank you so much for listening to this week's episode of the Revival Lifestyle Podcast. If you like what you heard, go to www.isaiahsaldivar.com for more content. And please follow me on Facebook, YouTube, and Instagram at Isaiah Saldivar. See you next week.